Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today we continue in our series on the fruits of the Spirit, and our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is bringing a message on goodness. You can find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood Church app. Thank you for spending part of your Mother's Day weekend with us. Thank you, Katie. Be sure you call your mama. We continue our spring series, Cultivating Character. If you'll take out your message guide. This is focused on Galatians chapter 5. In particular, verse 22, and we will go into 23 before we complete the series. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and today's focus, goodness. For those of you who haven't been with us, I keep rewinding a little bit to keep bringing us together. Fruit here is singular, not plural, so these things developed together, maybe not exactly at the same pace, but they result from the Spirit's indwelling. And as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, our character changes. Do you see that happening in your life? How does it happen? Galatians 5.17, another verse from that same chapter. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So the Spirit of God just replaces our motivations. So you just experience that you want something different, that you act a different way than you did before when you were controlled completely by, this is, in my opinion, an unfortunate translation, sinful nature. Literally, it means flesh. So it's really just humanity as opposed to spirituality. Now, out of our humanity comes um, sinful practices, but it isn't that everything about humanity is evil, but it's different. It's living human as opposed to living led by the Spirit. So before we're born again, those behaviors that come from our sinful nature do include and there's a list in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. They include sexual immorality, envy, anger, selfish ambition. Some others like divisiveness. You know, envy, jealousy, those kinds of things that we tend to minimize. But they come from our humanity, not our spirituality. But after we're born again, we receive and we display the character and the nature of Jesus. We're conformed, we're shaped into Christ's character progressively by the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 29. And it happens by having our thinking changed, replacing lies that we believe about ourselves, about God, about others, about this world. The Spirit replaces our thinking with God's truth. 
And then that produces the spiritual fruit within us. Which means you behave differently. You become more like Christ. Now we can't manufacture spiritual fruit. Just through improved self-control. But we do have a role in it. We can cooperate in this transformation by pursuing the presence of God in our lives. That's something you do. You turn your attention to the Spirit. Spend some time in the Word. Spend some time in prayer. Listening to music. You know, we're, we're fortunate. There's a couple of good Christian stations here. 89.3 is an outstanding Christian station that helps just turn your mind to the good news away from the bad news that's so evident. Today's focus is on the spiritual fruit of goodness. Now, what is goodness? There's a Greek word, and you never have to know these Greek words or pronounce them, but agathosune, but you don't have to pronounce it, and I probably mispronounced it too. But what it means is moral excellence benefiting others. Goodness is virtue. You could, you could even describe it this way. It's holiness in action. And holiness really means other more than it means well-behaved. It's being like God in our lives, in our actions. And, and what a good consideration, what a good focus for today, Mother's Day. This reminds me of my own mother. It reminds me of my children's mother as well. The spiritual fruit of goodness acts to aid others. Goodness doesn't just make you pious so you separate from the world and most people. We are goodness in the world. We are Christ to the lost, not separated from the world and isolated from people. Goodness is a moral characteristic of a spirit-filled person that generously assists others. Here's a theme verse, again, on your outline. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children. And those who do evil prove they do not know God. And evil is really just not following the will of God. Put quite simply. So here's the mirror, the beginning. Do you possess goodness? Put simply, are you good? It's interesting, isn't it, that, our, that in our culture, the idea of being good carries a somewhat negative connotation, doesn't it? Isn't that interesting? And that's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a characteristic of Jesus Christ. That we would, yet we would be almost embarrassed to be called good. Goodness first is defined by God. God alone determines what is good and therefore what is bad, what is evil, what is wrong. There was a time when Jesus was traveling toward Jerusalem and a young man ran up to him, knelt down before him, addressed him as good teacher and asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your um, iPhone, you can look in Mark 10, beginning at verse 17. And Jesus responded this way. 
Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. And then Jesus mentioned in that same story, mentioned several of the Ten Commandments. Not all of them, just five or six. And the young man answered at the end of the list that he had kept all of them since he was young. Do you think he had? What do you think, Barbara? Do you think he had? She says no. What do you think, Robert? Hattie? Had she? Hattie? Some of them. I think he had. I think he kept them. I don't think he was lying. I think he truly was a good man compared to other people. And the scripture's unique here, and it says that Jesus loved this man. And yet, what did he say? Y'all know this story. You lack one thing. Go and sell all of your possessions. Give the money to the poor. And by so doing, you'll build up treasure in heaven. Now, was Jesus saying that none of us can go to heaven unless we sell everything we have? So I wonder what he's saying. Now, what do we refer to this man as? What do we call him? Rich young ruler. And the scripture, this text, says he walked away, what? Sad. Disappointed. Because he owned so much stuff that he did not want to part with it. Does that mean you can't have a nice car or a big house? Is that what it means? It's not what it means. So we have to figure out what does it mean. This man, this young man, and I think a good young man, had misplaced confidence in his behavior, in his goodness. He believed that he had kept the law very well. I think he had. I think, you think he was better behaved than his friends? What do you think, Mike? I think he probably was. But he didn't understand That God, not man, is the measure of goodness. He didn't understand, he didn't grasp that God must be the source of goodness, not our best efforts. I think this man kept the rules. And it wasn't enough. It didn't make him good. It didn't cause him to be acceptable to God. Because what did he withhold? What do you think, Forrest? What did he withhold? All right, Laura, bail him out. They're going to run back. Don't y'all run back up there now. (laughs) Don't go to the cheap seats. Peanut gallery. That's where they threw peanuts from in ball games. That's why they called it. But... um, What he withheld was himself. See, it was only his possessions that was the expression of him not giving himself to God without reservation. See, 
Some of you aren't rich. Now, some of you are, and you need to be coming off the hip some more. But some of us aren't rich, but are we withholding something else? God, don't get in here. I'm going to do, I'm going to behave well, not going to curse too much. You know, I'm only going to drink a little bit. I mean, but don't get in my business, God. I'm going to give you my good behavior, but don't get all up in my stuff. I like some talkers over here. I might preach one day with this help, but I. Goodness is not a person merely doing his or her best. Goodness results from surrendering yourself wholeheartedly to God. And then the goodness comes in the back door. Psalm 25, 8. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper pathway to those who go astray. How do you think God shows us the right path? Come on, y'all got to go to brunch, so come on, you got to get active a little bit. How does he show it to us? His word, but don't miss this. Spirit, you're, getting, you're on the right track. There, you're coming. He shows us the proper path by walking with us. See, the proper path is not just reading the directions, and the directions are true, yes, but we're talking about a relationship. You know what I'm talking about here? I'm not talking about a GPS. I'm talking about a person who's walking with you. God's Spirit is taking these steps with you. And you know what? God very often gives us a person we can touch and see to walk with us. To help us walk with God. And it's often a good, godly mother. Children need to believe there is goodness in this world. It's hard to grow up skeptical of every person and every situation. You need some goodness that you can look to. And it comes in the form a lot of times of our parents, but certainly of our, of our mothers. Because God is good... He determines what is good. He does what is good. He describes to us what is good through his word, yes, which we obey by his spirit. Okay, now y'all got to get honest here. Do you think God has the right to determine what's good and what's not good? Come on, cheap cheap seats up there. What do you think? Be, be careful. Be careful saying that. Who do people in our culture think should determine what is good for them? Who? How about it, Shane? Who? Yeah. Self. They do by determining personal wants, 
personal desires, personal feelings, even personal compulsions and impulses. And you know how we know when we're on that path? Because we often say, don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. Well, I didn't judge you. God just did. Do we think this includes Christians in our culture? Unfortunately, it does. Many professing Christians. Now, let me illustrate just the danger of people determining good and evil for themselves instead of being determined by God. Sex was designed by God who knew its powerful attraction. And because of that, see, he he limited its practice to within the confines of marriage between two people who were committed to each other for life. The only place it was safe. And this standard has been accepted by our culture virtually the world's culture for centuries. Sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on what country, depending on what time. As time passed, the standard for acceptability in this area slipped from only within marriage to between two people who were committed to each other. It eroded further into two people who loved each other with no real reference to marriage. Further time passed and the standard became only with someone special. With little expectation of exclusivity. Today it slipped into the, what's the standard for sex today? Whatever you want, somebody said. But it's not, it's, it's consenting adults. Isn't it? Consenting adults without any expectation of any kind of relationship or any emotional connection hooking up. Hooking up. Now the result of of hooking up is widespread guilt because see the scripture says that we sin against our own bodies when we commit sexual sin and so we feel it although we may deny it vocally and outwardly but we feel it and it does introduce shame though we may even deny those things it produces loneliness it produces great insecurity because it's such a vulnerable act that it needs to be in a safe place Unplanned pregnancy, STDs. But here's even, here's something else. It produces an inability to experience the physical and spiritual intimacy. Spiritual, physical, emotional intimacy that God designed sex to provide. You see, this wonderful thing has been degraded from a sacred act within marriage to entertainment I don't even have to like you I might even dislike you 
and hence we get all this 50 shades and I mean, I want y'all to think seriously about this. I'm, I'm really not trying to be humorous here. I want, you to, I want you to think seriously about this issue. You see, any of our disobedience in whatever form creates distance from God. It lowers our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leadership and it, it leads to emotional and spiritual dissatisfaction. You know, we've studied peace. We've studied love. Are we experiencing those things? It may be that the reason I'm not experiencing is my decisions. The way I'm living. What I'm choosing to participate in. Well, why would we do that? Why would we decide to determine what is good for ourselves and ignore God? Because down deep... We really mistrust God. We really think He wants to deprive us of something good. He wants to withhold something from us. You see how that's guided by our thinking? It may be even our thinking that we're not even aware of is working. Now, cognitively, we know that's a lie, or at least we'd say it's a lie. But the problem is, we still feel it, and we still act on it. So it's only when the Spirit of God replaces a lie with truth that we know and we trust that God's way is the pathway to the best possible life. The life that's truly life. Abundant life in John 10.10. 10. You say, well, I, I believe that. Well, your life will reflect it because you, you always act on what you truly believe. You think there's any exception to that? What about you, Stu? Is there any exception? There is no exception to that. We always act based on what we truly believe. So who determines what's good in your life? And are you willing to disregard feel, personal feelings, personal desires to let God define what is good and you follow that? He'll help. And so will we. And so will other believers. Goodness also demonstrates my salvation. What is it that God expects of us? Look at Micah. Know, O Lord, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires you, of you. To do what is right, which is revealed in his word and spoken to us by his spirit, He's the source of what is right. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. If you're walking humbly with God, who's leading? Are you keeping step with Him? That's keeping in step with the Spirit. But it's walking with God.
Well, that takes some time with God, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But see, when we live in continual contact with God, when we live in constant dialogue with him, goodness starts being seen in our lives. Do you see goodness sprouting in your life? The things you used to like that you know were offensive to God, you just don't have a taste for it anymore. Is that true of anybody? Let me see some hands. Let me see. See, that's goodness being produced in you. You just don't have a taste for it. That's when the Spirit, we're not talking about self-control. We're talking about the Spirit changing your desires. And it offers evidence that we have been born again. I hate to disappoint y'all about with this next thing. Education doesn't improve people morally. I know some of y'all are about to pay, how much does it cost now to go to Clemson or Carolina? 20000 a semester or is that too much? 10000 a semester? More than that, more than that. I hate to disappoint you. You may not get back more, more, more moral children than you send away unless the Spirit of God is in them and they're walking with the Spirit. But in like manner, if the Spirit of God is within you, I don't care what any professor tells you. If you know the truth of God, if you've experienced it, no PhD, which we know what PhD stands for, can change your mind. You hear? Information won't change experience. Y'all hear that? I like that over here. Somebody got that. <laughs> Information won't change experience. You know, back to my mother. I wasn't a Christian, y'all know that. Some of you that have been around, I've said this many times, but I wasn't a Christian until I was a senior in college. But I never had a moment I doubted the reality of God. Never a moment, never a second. Because I could not explain how my mother could live so good. All the time. In every situation. Never showing anger or frustration. You know, now I was a child, but she didn't, y'all know, she didn't die until this past November. So I knew her as an adult too. I can't remember a single time when that woman did something that was wrong. Not one time. She never told a lie. I mean, my mother, you know, this business, you know, we used to have phones on the wall, y'all. <laughs> and this business about tell them I'm not here, not my mother. You want Perry? I'm not lying for you. I'm not lying for you. She wouldn't even tell the white, little white ones. 
This woman never cut corners. She never put herself first in anything. I lived in a dysfunctional home, but it wasn't because of her. When we demonstrate goodness, it gets people's attention in our world. Because this world says, don't let anybody mistreat you. Don't let anybody take advantage of you. Don't let anybody cut in line ahead of you. And Jesus says, if they slap you on one cheek, give them the other. Well, he didn't mean that, did he? You think he meant that? They want your shirt, give them your coat too. But my coat's Southern Tide. I can't give it. And my shirt is too. How can I give that away? Mm -mm. He meant it. You know, I think the reason that our culture so doubts the reality of, of faith is they don't see enough of us living with conviction who look different. You know, in our, in our world, people put themselves first. And they, people will do anything to get ahead. People will almost do anything even to get noticed. These reality shows astound me. But we live in a society that's... that's living for likes that's craving positive comments that, that, that's just thirsting for tags that's frequently tallying up followers that's posting pictures to be tagged by people they don't even know and wouldn't even like I'm not saying all media is evil. I'm not saying that. Because if y'all go to that extreme, you won't hear anything I'm saying. But there's too many of us that can't find any time to spend in the presence of God. But we know what 50 people ate for lunch yesterday. And, and, and we're all trying to figure out how to take a flattering picture so we can get some likes. I'm, I'm, I've learned how to pose. I told you all that a few weeks ago. You've got to lift up your heel. And you've got to cross your legs. But if you're like me and you're a little hippie, you've got to give just an angle. So if I get this picture, then I have to do something artistic to cover up all these bald spots. And I've got to thrust my chest out so I look big across the shoulders. If I send you all that, will you give me a like? The problem is that matters to us because we don't know who God says we are so we care about who everybody says we are. You're never going to be free of that slavery unless you say, I'm God's child and I am wonderfully, in fact, I'm perfectly made. Then you don't have to figure out how to hide your hip. Y'all thought I didn't know about any of that stuff, did you? <laughs> Living according to God's guidance, submitting to his moral standards will attract attention and probably some criticism. Probably some criticism. Why do people criticize you? 
if you're too good because they're convicted. Do you understand that? We have to be lights in a dark world. If we shine as lights in a dark world, people will see your good works and they'll praise who? Your Father in heaven, Matthew 5 says. But when they criticize and when they question and when they gossip and when they whatever, you've got the opportunity to explain your faith as the reason you live as you do. That's living with convictions. I didn't say arrogance, did I? I didn't say offensiveness. I said living with convictions unapologetically. Well, how do we become good if not through greater effort? Well, let me, let me back up again and tell you again, tell this again. When we're born again, we become a new creation, a different person. You're now spiritually alive where you weren't before, and you possess the presence of the Holy Spirit within from now on. And the Holy Spirit teaches us truths about ourselves, about God, about this world. See, you don't, you don't live subject to this world because you live in the kingdom of God. And that's where you get your marching orders from. But you believe something you didn't believe before, right? You matter to God. And it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how much education you have, what color your skin is, who your uncle is. None of it matters. You matter to God who created this universe. And he will never abandon you. Never abandon you. And these truths, which again, you can't come up with them. Have you noticed that? We all know a lot of verses that we can't seem to live. These truths are the ones that get revealed by the Holy Spirit. And they not only captivate our imagination, they change our thinking. And the result is our lives get transformed. So that we look and act differently. You have different appetites. You have different interests. You have different behaviors. And people notice the changes. I'm going to say it again. Our actions always follow our beliefs. When we're changed, we no longer want what this world offers. It tastes like sawdust. We want what God wills. Romans 12, and we've looked at this verse over and over for the last couple of years. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, which changes the way you act. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. And it will be good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, when the Holy Spirit has changed you, you will want to do what pleases God. The people who know you think you're saved 
because of the goodness they see in your life. Goodness is displayed in my actions. Ephesians 2.10, another familiar passage. You are God's masterpiece. I want to hear you say this. I am God's masterpiece. Now look at the person beside you and say, you are God's masterpiece too. Now what this means is you have to act like a masterpiece instead of somebody of little value. And you have to treat that person beside you like a masterpiece instead of a person of little value. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things instead of the things that I want to do self-centeredly. I can do the things he planned for me instead of the things I want for me. These good things are communicated by his will. And his will isn't just stopping and praying, God's what's your will. Remember how you learn his will. We started this message with it. You walk along with him. And as you know him, you know his will. And you're walking with him. And it'll result in doing works that are motivated by morality and a desire to selflessly benefit others. You say, well, that sounds like kindness. Well, they overlap. Kindness, remember, was concern and consideration for others. But goodness compares, uh, carries with it an added dimension of moral conviction. James 1.27, here's an example of living with moral conviction. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You know what it means? It means standing for justice. It means doing good, caring for orphans, for the weak, for the oppressed, for the poor. It means speaking up sometimes, though it might make you less popular. The doing of this good, which isn't self-serving, authenticates our profession of faith in the eyes of a watching world. And it glorifies our Father. The theme verse for today, follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children. And those who do evil prove they don't know God. Works of goodness will draw people to the moral purity that's found in Jesus Christ. Invite someone that needs to know Christ. Care about them. Pray for them. That's goodness. Find someone with no church home. Lovingly help someone deal with sin that's, that's enslaved them that's damaging their lives, that's distancing that person from God. That's goodness. That they might resist you initially and they might even dislike you for a while. But you have a higher calling. Goodness that reflects God's nature. You know, giving generously, sacrificing ourselves in service to draw someone to the goodness of God is another example we're involved in, in helping impoverished people in, in several 
countries, and we want to keep that up and even raise it. The Switch Ministry, the meeting is next Sunday, 520, in pod, I think it's C. It's in your program at 1015 between services. And these, this is a ministry that helps free people from sexual exploitation. Brookwood, there's too many of us to not do something about it. We give away about, David said, 27% of our collection to benevolence and to missions. You know what? My prayer is that one day we'd give away fully half of everything we collect and that we would be a church known for fighting for justice for people who are oppressed and enslaved and mistreated. And there's enough of us to change this entire community, this city, this state, and influence this country and beyond. But we got to get to work. We be, have to be more generous we, with our time, with our money. Do you display goodness in your actions is the question. I want us to reflect on the question. And here, you know, I want to ask you, please don't bolt out. It's okay to wait a few minutes in the parking lot. Because this is the part where you ask God to speak to you about what you've been hearing. Perry's message is of no importance except the part where the Holy Spirit says, this point is for you. Our counselors will be here at the front. They'll be happy to pray for you about faith, about giving you the strength to be the kind of mother God wants you to be. Maybe you're hoping to have a child and it's been difficult. They can anoint you with oil and they'd love to pray for you. But let me offer you the blessing that Paul wrote into Philippians at the beginning. I am certain, he said, and I agree, that God who began a good work within every one of you, within each of you individually, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God's doing a work. Walk with Him as He builds goodness in your life. Call your mama. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. If you have any questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.